for 25 years. Nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. College baseball fans, it's time for the D1 Baseball Podcast with Mike Rooney, Aaron Fitt, and Kendall Rogers. Let's win every podcast. Now, here's the pride of the Newtown Edgemont Little League, Coach Rooney. Hello and welcome to the 49 Minutes of Heaven we call the D1 Baseball Podcast. I am your host, Michael Patrick Rooney. Tonight's episode brought to us by our good friends at S2 Cognition. S2 Cognition delivers a revolutionary approach to helping athletes understand how in-game decisions impact their performance from youth levels all the way to the pros. Thank you to the guys at S2 Cognition. Uh, As always, joined by Aaron J. Fitt, Kendall J. Rogers, Jose Joseph Healy, Fitzy, I, 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 hopefully we keep that in the clip that I was just trying to make sure you had the, you know, the prerequisite 46 windows open on your computer. You know, it's funny that you say that, Rune, because actually right before the show, uh, I, I closed multiple windows that each had about eight wow. or 10 tabs open. So I'm, <laughs> wow. I'm, down to, I'm down to only two active windows with probably a grand total of maybe 18 tabs. So like, this is, this is oh as healthy as I've been in quite a while when it comes his, to his His ear span management. has to just be constantly on. Yeah, high no, speed, no, low drag. I, no, I don't take it. you. I don't take you as an energy inefficient computer guy. Never heard the fan on this on this particular MacBook. This 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 thing is efficient, man. It's powerful. Mm, outstanding, mm. Uh, boys. Let's get let's get right to the inane banter part of the conversation. We've we're got there something, already. Yeah, well, we sort of are. <laughs> we that was kind of like the jog and stretch of our inane banter. Now we're going to get actually into BP here. So um, the scouting department of D one baseball has alerted me that the great Mason Rogers is signed up for grade school football this fall. Kendall, that is, you can confirm that information, correct? Well, uh, yeah, it's like Pop Warner. Even better. Oh, it's the best. What is, can you give me the name of his team? Do we know the name of his team? Uh, The Bengals. And And they actually use like legitimate Bengals helmets. That's amazing. Is it like just to clarify? Oh, go ahead, Joe. Just to clarify, is that the the Bengals or like the Bengals of walk like an Egyptian fame? (laughs) No. (laughs) Just to clarify, the Bengals. I say Bengals, uh, Joe. I'm from East Texas. I'm from I'm from just an hour and a half northeast of Cut and Shoot. Cut and Shoot. (laughs) That Uh, is Kendall. Is it the Spring Bengals or is it? Is it? Well, I think they're technically the Klein Bengals. Klein Bengals. Okay, very good. So here's where I'm going with this. I don't know if you guys did pound weight football when you were kids. I did it. It might have been the favorite, my favorite sport of my lifetime. I could, so I played for the, ironically, the Marple Bengals. Then I transferred. I was like a portal guy early in life. I transferred <laughs> to the Paoli Bulldogs where we won the Burt Bell 1984 championship. We actually got to go to Annapolis and play on Navy's. We thought we were playing in their stadium. We played on their turf practice field. But still, Aww. like, you know you know like whatever 13 years old playing on turf um i still remember the names of the teams we played the rose tree colts john fay their quarterback what a total jerk he was my high school teammate um chichester crusaders the norchester red knights the 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 lower perk longhorns anyway um springfield cougars oh so great so so we've got the we're the klein bengals so here here's what we got to do kendall mason's gonna need a nickname and I've heard that in your house, we've been workshopping nicknames and it does feel like alliteration is what we want to go with. I've, I've heard that two of the offerings so far are Mason, the madman Rogers. I've heard that someone offered up Mason, the massacre Rogers. <laughs> I think I vetoed that one. You did. Probably, you didn't like probably not the right one for this, this day and age. I heard Mason's one friend has an, a, a nickname that is maybe not even appropriate it, it's uh yeah something your mom's favorite player something. yeah 
I will. I'll find that for us. First name and last name at the end on something. Are we allowed to say that kid's name, or is that is that bad form? You can say his first name. Yeah. So I think I might mispronounce it. So this the, Mason's teammate, <laughs> it's Will quotes your mom's favorite player, <laughs> Braren. So Will's got a pretty good nickname right out of the shoot, considering there wasn't that your grade. nickname, wasn't it, uh, no. Mike? Michael Patrick, no. your mom's favorite no. player, Rooney. I, I will say this in that, in that deal, you guys have to step on a scale before you play. Like, you know, and some of the players have to like cut weight and, you know, they're, yeah. and I was literally get, getting on the scale with my helmet in my hand. Like there was no chance of coach Rooney being, I'm, I'm totally shocked that you weren't one that didn't have to cut weight. Oh gosh, it was awesome. I'm telling you guys, it was awesome. You play both ways. Uh, you, we, we even had some night games. So Joseph and, and Fitzy, what do you got for, for nicknames for the great Mason Rogers. Let's workshop this for a second. Mason the Jar Rogers. <laughs> the Jar? <laughs> Ooh. It's not alliteration, but I don't. <laughs> I like it. The Jar. <laughs> oh. Uh, I, I wrote down the Marauder. I wrote down the Machine. I wrote down Mason the Mauler. I was going to go with, with – uh... Stone Mason Rogers. Yeah. That's pretty good. Stone and Jar. My favorite my favorite nickname of any football player is the Nigerian Nightmare. That's a good one. That's pretty good. Chris I mean, it's hard to beat the Nigerian Nightmare. You know what that reminds me of Ivan Melendez when he was nicknamed the Hispanic Titanic and no one knew whether you is that in play, is that out of play, is that and then the Texas people we we all we walked on eggshells for about a month and then Texas started promoting and it was like, okay, we're good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I will say this. I am excited. You know, I'm listen, I'm a baseball guy. All right, I'm not gonna promote the uh uh, the, the concussion industrial complex, but I'm going to say Mason Rogers is, is a, is a wrecking ball. And at this level of this level of football, I can't wait to see what he can do. I mean, this kid yeah. gets after it. Fitzy, I got no data for this, but I think weight football is actually very safe because the kids cannot move fast enough to generate the velocity required to actually hurt themselves. Now you get to high school football and that's a different yeah. animal, but um, I'm kind of hoping he plays for like three or four years and says, oh, I think I'm good. Yeah. But yeah, it is funny. Like we went out and watched. I was like one of those people who's very skeptical because of the the tackling and all the stuff now. And we went out to one of the games. I'm like, dude, when I was a kid, like we hit way harder than that with no pads or helmets. So we're good. I I name I remember the name of the the person who rung my bell for the first time, Ronnie Mosticelli. He actually went to Arrival High School Ooh. and playing in a weight football game, he smoked me and seeing stars i guess technically that is a concussion i don't know what else to call it but back then the medical term was he rung your bell but um tom jackson would say you know tom jackson would say you got jacked up (laughs) ronnie mastacelli just sounds like somebody who's like a nine and a half on a bar fight meter and someone who would spend a little bit of ample time at uh, time to spare you underrated Ronnie Mosticelli. Like he's, yeah. And you're right. He, oh, he literally, he might actually own time to spare at this point in life. But you, you started to say a guy who spent a little time and I thought you were going to say in Atlantic city based on that. name. <laughs> I mean, that too. Oh gosh. He was, it was so great. Uh, gentlemen. All right. So, All right, so we start. Yeah. Stone Rogers, uh, jar Rogers. I, I think those are the two favorites in the clubhouse. We'll have to <laughs> let's, let's let that marinate. If we come up with other names, Listen, this this show already. It's just it's just another manic Monday here on on the podcast. Uh, oh, I love hashtag, it. Hashtag Bangles. Oh, Bangles, that was great. Uh, what was the what was the lead singer for the Bangles? Anybody? <laughs> Blonde was that, hair. Was that um, Belinda Carlisle? Belinda Carlisle. Belinda Carlisle. Is what yes. I was going to say, yeah. Good pull, Fitzy. All right, boys. Here's let's get right to the serious business. Uh, let's talk about LSU for a second. I got some topics for us tonight. So LSU has now lost two straight series and the range of outcomes for this team feel enormous. Like, like you could lose a home regional. You could, I still think they could win the whole thing. Um, Feel less confident about that. Now they used Joe, correct me if I mess this up. They used their use. So the other, the the, the jarring game was that they're up 13 to four over Mississippi state and they lose the game at home. Right. They couldn't hold a nine run lead. And, you know, that's that's alarming. 
They used nine pitchers in that game, maybe eight. It's at least eight, if not nine pitchers. And so here's the topic, boys. My recommendation to Jay Johnson, not, you know, like he's thought about this a hundred million times already, but I'm just going to say my recommendation is we need to pick six arms and let's ride. Like we can't, with this pitching staff, you cannot do the just keep chucking guys in there and hope you dodge bullets. I think Jay Johnson needs to pick six and let's ride. And and this is no offense to these kids because they're very talented. For me, Thatcher Hurd and Christian Little are not in the six. They're just not. You know, it's like it's too late. There's three regular season games left and then it's go time. So what I'd like to do is let's pick if you agree with me, let's pick our six or I feel free to disagree and say, hey, I don't I don't see six here that's workable. And um, and, I, you know, I, I don't think that's a, a viable plan. Do you guys want me to give you my six or, or what's the best way to start this? Can I, can I just make a very quick comment? That Please. I, I think if LSU is going to win the national championship, I think Thatcher Hurd needs to be a part of it. I disagree. Like, I think he's the most talented guy out of all, out of all those options. But, but like, he hasn't thrown good since he set foot in Louisiana, right? Like, he yeah. wasn't good this fall. He's had, like, one good outing this spring. I just, I just feel like – I think your point is well taken, Kendall. But, it, like, at some point, it just hadn't happened, right? Like, it, it feels more like hope than – Well, here's what's a crazy stat about LSU, just kind of digging through their conference stats and our advanced stats, by the way, at D1Baseball.com. Uh, but looking at their conference stats, so Paul Skeens in SEC play, 2.10 ERA. Outside of that, in terms of guys who actually pitch a lot on the weekend, Riley Cooper is the next best ERA runes at 5.70. Yeah. He's so in my mix, Kendall. He's brutal. in my six. I, if, I'm not second-guessing Jay Johnson. Like I, you know, He had no. pitched the day before and all that stuff. But if, if Riley Cooper had gotten the ball earlier in that game, they win the game. And you know, if, if they – they don't make two errors in the same inning at the end. They probably win that game. Let me give you guys my six. I would go Skeens, okay. Floyd, Cooper. I would go Blake, Money, Griff. No, hold on on Blake, Money. I would go Skeens, Floyd, Cooper. I would go Griffin, Herring, Ackenhausen, Gidry. I don't know if those kids can throw enough to make it work, but you may just have to make it work. Go for it, boys. I think those would probably be my six as well, Runes. Uh, uh, those were the exact case guys I was looking at. And, and, I, and I agree with your theory, too. I mean, you know, it, uh, what about Coleman? I mean, Coleman will be oh, in Coleman, the Coleman's got to be in there, right? He's got a really good breaking ball. Yeah. yeah. He's, just, he's just getting built up right now, right? Isn't that the mm-hmm. deal with Coleman? Yeah. yeah it's, it's, what, only six appearances so far or something? You know, you know what it is like. Just says like what the sad state of affairs are is for LSU's pitching staffs. I had an LSU fan reach out to me on Twitter and say, "Hey, Jordan Thompson threw really hard in high school. Any chance that he gets moved to the pitching staff?" Like that's where we are with with a top five team in college baseball right now. Yep. Joe, if you were going to eliminate, uh, help me with my list. If you were going to eliminate Herring or Ackenhausen, mm-hmm. who would you eliminate? Hmm. I mean that feels like a that feels like a pick'em to me. Um, yeah. You know, I, I guess I've liked Ackenhausen in his out in a, his outings probably a little bit more, but I do think that's a pick'em. And part of the reason that's tough for me is because I actually I see what you're driving at, but I, I think because it's so late in the season, I don't think limiting the pitching staff is the right way to think about it because I think that guys like Christian Little and Thatcher Hurd still have a role to play, and specifically I look at those guys as being guys look I mean the idea that you're just going to start one of them in a big game in a regional or super regional and they're just going to be the best version of themselves like that we could probably throw that idea out mm-hmm. but where I do think there is value in them and this is a low bar to clear I get it they're both stretched out and so you get into a regional and let's say they get an overmatched four seed team from the northeast uh, SWAC tournament champion, and I know Alabama State's pretty good, but let's say there's a surprise winner in the SWAC. You know, you know you're going to score runs on that pitching staff. You just tell Christian Little or Thatcher Hurd, hey, just go out there and give us a hundred pitches. And if you give up four runs, fine, because we're going to probably score nine, ten, or twelve. And when your pitching staff is in the place that they are in, there is value in that because they're going to need to save those six arms. So in that regard, I don't disagree with you. 
save those six arms for Saturday and Sunday of regional weekend. Don't burn any of them Friday. Or SEC tournament, they win a couple games, they have a national seed locked up. Let's not roll, you know, Riley yeah. Cooper out here for the third time this week, right? So I just think if for your, the same thing you're saying, it is late. I think it's too late to do that now. I think they need to take advantage of the fact that like, hey, at least these guys are stretched out. They've thrown. We're not throwing somebody in here who hasn't touched a baseball since March 6th or something like sometimes happens in regionals. So I, I don't disagree with your premise. Yeah. I just think that they also still have a role to play. Yeah, the flaw in my premise is you might not have enough innings. Like, like my six or seven might not be able to get you enough outs. Go well, ahead, Fitzy. Here, here's, here's the other thing that, you know, I think is, is – I guess I would maybe side with Kendall and Joe a little bit here in that – remember Griffin McGarry? This guy was buried at Virginia all year long, couldn't throw strikes. Like, uh, out of the rotation, not – you know, just, just not a reliable strike thrower really for two years. Um, and then, like – they ran him out there when they had to in the regional. And all of a sudden he's a dude like, Hey, wait a minute. This guy's always had huge stuff. All of a sudden he's figured it out. Like they might have to do that at some point with, with a Christian little or Thatcher heard and be like, Hey, like we've been working with them. We think we made, we think we found something like we just got to roll the dice and, and go with the stuff here because like, you know, that's what happens in the postseason. Sometimes your hand is forced. Um, and, and I, I, I do believe that the, it's entirely possible that one of those guys, as Kendall suggested, might might need to just emerge if this team's really going to get there because it does feel like they're just playing light. And by the way, Belinda Carlisle was not in the Bengals. Uh, Su- in- Susanna, Susanna Hoffs was the lead singer. Oh, wow. The record. It's very pertinent to this LSU. Uh, we're talking about the Bayou Bengals. So. <laughs> yeah. I, I- no, I'm glad you. She was Blinda Carlisle was with the Go Go's. Go Go's. That's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. By the way, Griff McGarry is amazing. <laughs> do you know? Do you guys know that Griff McGarry in 2021, the Omaha year for Virginia that we're talking about, Virginia lost the first nine games he pitched in. First nine games, and now they didn't pitch him for a month. He didn't pitch between April 20th and May 14th. And, you know, he pitched it in a 17 nothing game. He pitched in a 9-2 game. And, and you know what's amazing, too, Fitzy? Like, th- that stretch that we're talking about, which was amazing for Griffin McGarry, it was five games. Yeah. That's it. And that kind of is what we're talking about. I just – what I'm worried about is LSU's got an incredible team, and I'm worried that their team, when some of these kids go to the mounds, the team is kind of just not feeling it. You know, like they're – like, I, I just I, – if Jay could take six guys and say, hey, here's where we're running with. And, you know, to Joe's point, like the way I would use Thatcher Hurd and Christian Little is, hey, games we can win, they're not pitching. But not every game is that. You know, like there's going to be games that get away. There's – you know, certainly you want to have opportunities for it. But but here's the thing. Like right now what, what some of the – what's happening is these games are just getting blown up. And this incredible offense has no chance. They're, they're just toast. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I would just put a, I would just put a bow on it just to say that I don't think, for me anyway, I'm not saying any, I'm not saying that no one else can respond after me. For me, I'm putting a bow on it by saying that I don't, I don't think they have so many, they don't think they have enough quality proven options to be able to look at two guys with the stuff of Thatcher Hurd and Christian Little and say no thanks, because it, it just kind of is what it is. Like I think they're just going to have to ride it. And again, don't put them in high leverage spots. I got it. Um, but the, you know, I just don't think they're, they just don't have enough, I think to, to get there without giving those guys something. I, I will say this, and this is weird to say for this team that was preseason number one, that was number one for the first 11 weeks of the season, um, did not lose a weekend. I mean, they have had a great year, but two weeks after they vacated number one, it feels like, Hey, wait a minute. Like, is this team really in the same class of, national title contender as a wake forest or even i mean after this weekend i would tell you florida like uh, you know and, and i was i think i even said last week at the pod that i was skeptical of florida as a national title contender because i just didn't trust their pitching and so i don't want to like be too overswayed yeah. by what i saw this weekend but boy oh boy do they look like a national title team like i mean it, you know it's like hey wait a minute all of a sudden you know if, if, if jack caglione can throw strikes like he did this weekend i mean 73 strikes at 101 pitches or whatever it was like he does that like that's a game changer their bullpen 
like we talked about with Stanford a few weeks ago, like Stanford's bullpen, once they figured out, it's like, I feel way better about this team. And Florida now has figured out its bullpen. Like that was a, maybe the major storyline of a source of angst with Florida fans for half the season. And all of a sudden it kind of feels like those pieces have fallen into place. And we know their offense is elite. So like, you know, a lot of these teams have elite offenses. That's kind of the theme in college baseball these days. Who's got the pitching that separates? Um, mm-hmm. uh, who who are going to buy in the postseason? Who's got five horses? You know that we could that we can really lean on that we can trust. Wake Forest does. Florida mm-hmm. does. LSU doesn't, and it's not close. They've got one. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really hard to win the national championship with essentially one reliable pitcher. It's very difficult. Uh, yeah. In this day and age in college baseball, I remember Arkansas that year where you know two years ago when all those games with basically one and a half guys, right? It, it's Kevin Copps and uh, the left-hander, you know, that, that they started on Fridays, and it's like it's not enough. Um, yeah. Why am I drawing a blank on that lefty's name? But but it's it's you know it, it's just like you need more. You just you, you can you can kind of smoke and mirrors it and you know out talent people because your lineup is so good or whatever for for all year long. But when we get to get to the, the postseason, you, you need more than that. Yeah, I, I think part of that's what drives this. I mean, I don't I'm guessing, of course, but it's like LSU's program. The bar is so high. It's kind of like, hey, if we can't win the whole thing, every season's a failure. And that's why you you stick with a Christian Little and a Thatcher Hurd when they're they're, you know, just clearly, you know, those kids are super talented and obviously they're working at it, but it's just not their year right now. And you, you know, to Kendall's points, like you keep running them out there because you, you're in this mindset of if we're going to win the national title, mm-hmm. Thatcher Hurd and Christian Little have to do it. I just, I think that's flawed. I disagree with that, but you know, rational people can disagree. I, you know, I, I, I think you need to find five or six because your offense can be so good, but it's going to be interesting, right? Like Jay Johnson is the most thorough thinker uh, in our game possibly, right? Like every scenario possible, he's considered it 7,800 times. I think what's really interesting about LSU's pitching too is like we all know Wes Johnson's an elite pitching coach, and we all know a lot of these guys have really good stuff. If I'm an LSU pitcher, like where in the like where is the pressure coming from? Like when you when you start for LSU right now, like dude, if you can literally only give up five runs or six runs, like you're probably going to win. So like I don't I don't actually don't understand where like the pressure comes from because your offense is going to give you a lot of support. Yeah, I, I mean, think it's, like, I think it's it, like you go out there with a with a five run lead every game. It's the it's the forever problem in baseball for me is that when an elite talent is struggling, you get a lot of voices in your head. You know, like my mm-hmm. advisors got some opinions. Wes has got opinions. My folks have opinions. You know, like my pitching coach from high school sees it on TV. And then, you know, you're asking a 20 year old kid to either tell those people to stop talking or be polite, process all that. I mean, it's a lot. And you're already not feeling very confident because, you know, both the kids we're talking about have seven ERAs with a lot of expectations. So it's just hard. I just think yeah. ba- baseball is hard. It's, it's um, you know, and, and I hope I don't come off as throwing dirt on Christian Little or Thatcher Hurd. No. Like you could change their names, right? Like every team this time of year is thinning their pitching staff and, and you kind of have to put the reputations away and you just have to say, hey, who are the most six reliable guys? Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break from our discussion to hear a couple ads from our sponsors. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. You can start your day off right. When you find a professional on Angie to get your plumbing right first. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. Hey, real quick, can we go to the ACC? Two two teams real quick on the ACC, guys. Clemson now has won six straight series. They swept three of their last four series. And Louisville is 9-18. 
Can we can we explain either of those things? Anybody? I mean, the question kind of is like, what, how do these teams just fall? How do they go from top five or ten programs to just fall off the table? Yeah. Like, what's Louisville the phenomenon? Blows mine. Yeah. They they looked incredible the weekend I saw them in Minimade. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're just not playing very well in any facet. I watched their game against Vanderbilt last week, and you know, Jack Payton made some mistakes behind the play. They're making base running mistakes. They were really unorthodox for a Louisville team. It's very bizarre. They've lost seven games in a row right now, and obviously, what, one, two, three, four, five, five straight series, and, I mean, seven of the last eight or something like that. I mean, it's, it's gotten really ugly. It's, it's shocking. It's shocking for Louisville. They have to win games this weekend to make the ACC tournament, right? Like yeah. they're a game back. Yeah, that's yeah. that's incredible. Well, and think there's more cases of this, right? Like UCLA is they're very injured and they're it's not as dire, but they're you know struggling badly. Think about Texas in, in this run where they've been to Omaha three out of four years. The year they didn't get to Omaha, they missed the Big Twelve tournament. Yeah, and think about how unthinkable that. How could your program go to the World Series? you know, three times in a four-year span and then just completely bottom out right in the middle of that. Like, I don't even understand how that's possible. And I think it usually is injuries on the mound. It's injuries at catcher. But it, it, there's something strange about college baseball right now that the, the it's so volatile. I, I don't I, – yeah, the Mississippi schools, it's really wild to think about. I mean, I, I wonder if some of that – and this is just me spitballing. Let me be clear. I haven't really given this a lot of – advanced thought but it is fascinating to me and i wonder if this is the partially a result of college baseball just kind of becoming more competitive especially when you talk about the power conferences from top to bottom right i mean you look at the power leagues for the most part everybody cares about baseball some more than others obviously right they're not the same but you get a lot of a lot of care a lot of want to at the, at the high levels of college baseball and there was a time and you guys know this as well as i do there was a time where our sport just didn't have that much diversity at the top. And so once you were, once you were really good, it was hard to not be really good. And there was a little bit of, of sameness there. Um, and so maybe that, maybe again, I'm just spitballing, but maybe that's part of it is just that there's a little more diversity at the top of the, the top of the sport than there once was. Yeah. I think another thing is the player acquisition funnels in college baseball have been disrupted fairly violently you know, like you had to recruit through a pandemic where you're recruiting on a Zoom, you know, like you're you're not seeing the kid in person, you're watching video, you're not being with the kid in person and his family, you're Zoom calling with them. You know, now the coaches are having to decide like, hey, if I've got 40 roster spots, how many am I dedicating to the portal? How many am I going junior college? How many am I going freshman? And then you have a great freshman. And, you know, I'm going to pick on Tommy White and Thatcher Hurd for a second. The, the, they, the decision they made was the best one for them and their family, and you should absolutely do that. However, the program you leave was projecting you to be there on a big scholarship, right? And so when Tommy White leaves North Carolina State the summer before, they can't just say, oh, I guess we need to go shopping for a three-hole hitter that just broke the freshman home run record, right? Like it's – they've been recruiting for several years based on that, you know, and, and you try to build depth and back – so so I, I think that's – part of what I wonder Joe I'm like you I I don't have a form you know a fully formulated thought but it's like recruiting has changed violently in a very short amount of time and people the way they've built their program and acquired players there's it's just not the same as it was I don't know it's interesting and, and I do think that Florida State missing regionals for the first time in 45 seasons mm. um, is, is, a, is relevant to this discussion I mean, it did feel like for years, it was almost, you know, I mean, I, I don't, I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but it was almost autopilot. Like they recruited mm -hmm. out of those camps, boy, and they really like it, it worked for them for four decades. Right. Um, and like they had a system that worked Their their offensive philosophy worked. They played to their ballpark. They, you know, they were tougher than, than people. They obviously like they, they were good at motivating. They, they did a lot of things very, very well, but I mean that, just worked like without a whole lot of changes really for decades. And now the landscape has changed. And certainly, you know, the timing of the coaching changed last year and Link not really having time to, to attack the portal the way I think that he would have liked um, is, is a factor. 
the roster is depleted, but I mean, that's stunning. I mean, if you think about, you know, Florida State and Louisville, the very bottom of the ACC. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's I mean, wild. especially, I mean, after all our whole lifetimes, even you, almost even you, Coach Rooney, our whole <laughs> lifetimes, Florida State has been a fixture in the postseason, and that's going to end. It's it's amazing. Florida Florida State has learned the hard way that Eddie Martinez, a stave, is not walking through that door. <laughs> it's a good pull. It's a good oh pull. Oh my gosh, Eddie, he could hit now. He was uh, teammates with Stephen Drew, I think. If I was, yeah, uh, that's right. It's, like, it's a it's a great Coach Rooney Murphy. recruiting story. Saw him at Joplin, Missouri, at the Team USA trial. Stephen Drew and Coach Murphy was really hot to trot because he knew JD Drew. Even though we had a rule, not we were not allowed to recruit the sons of big leaguers. Coach Murphy always had the green light to violate his own rule. But um, so I, I saw Stephen Drew, and I, I came back. And I was like, Coach, I don't know what to tell you. He was terrible. He was absolutely terrible. And I don't think we should recruit him. So we didn't. And come to find out later, he was sick as a dog the whole week in Joplin. Like he was just playing with the flu. I was like, gosh, he's lazy and plays so slow and he's playing terrible. <laughs> and he wasn't ever like a high motor player, uh, right? I was going to say the Drews were famous for their motors. Yeah, but he was a hell of a player. It was in, you know, the next year when we're playing them in a three game series, he has 10 hits. It's not, not great. Not great for Coach Rooney. Well, I, um, I don't, I don't, I don't fully, I'm not super plugged in and kind of like the, uh, you know, team USA trial, but, but what, what were they doing in Joplin, Missouri? No disrespect, but like, yeah. how did that end up being the, I don't know. And you know what, uh, Paul Seiler, who's been with team USA forever. I I'm almost certain his wife is from Joplin, Missouri, because he spent so much time there at the team USA trials. I, it's a great call Joe. Cause it was miserable in that we would all lose in the regional or whatever round you got eliminated in and you're just miserable like all that work for nothing you didn't get to omaha and then you get you go to joplin missouri and the people (laughs) were wonderful but you're staying in you know like not a you know not a full service marriott clearly and um you know you're just sitting at missouri southern's field for eight hours a day watching the thing that made it workable the players were unbelievable i mean like that was those it was like 70 or 80 kids that were super elite um you know you got dan mcdonald down there with his old miss gear on and the zinc on his nose and you know there's oak recruiting for notre dame and slosh and buddy for tulane and uh anyway it was those were golden days but yeah your question is is a good one joe no idea why i was joplin great people though very americana so uh boys you ready for another controversial topic we're gonna do a lot of arguing tonight now this is yeah very good okay Here's I'm, I'm going to start it on myself, but I know you got, I don't know. Let, let me, let me not steer the jury. So this year when all the conference realignment happens, I know that I've been one of the people that have said, well, now the power five is the four and the Sun Belt. Like the Sun Belt is the fifth league. And by RPI, I think that is accurate. And now that we sit here with this season all the way through, I had, and, and let, let me, let me count for my recency bias. I had, Long Beach versus Santa Barbara this week at Blair Field. My second look at Santa Barbara this year, I, I really think highly of Santa Barbara. I really think highly of Andrew Checkets. I think Andrew Checkets is literally one of the best coaches in the country. And I'm starting to think about the Big West and the Sun Belt. And I'm, I was so down on the Big West because the last two years have been so bad. And they were under 500 in, in non-conference the last two years. And this has been a rebound year for the Big West, clearly. I'm looking at it now, and, and I'm saying to myself, okay, you think the Sun Belt is the Power Five and the Big West is lost at sea. Told me why. By what metric besides RPI? Like, what does the Sun Belt have going that is so much better than the Big West? And just for, for data points, both leagues had the exact same number of players drafted last year. Both were 19. Um, the Sun Belt had two first rounders. If, if you game it a little bit, right? Like you got to count Chase DeLauder and Eric Brown, but you know, it's not like the big West doesn't ever have a first rounder. They had Brooks Lee. They had Michael McGreevy a couple years ago. You start thinking about super regionals and Omaha's and, you know, I started lining up the teams. Both leagues have three teams at the bottom that are RPI drains, 200 plus teams in that area. And I'm starting mm-hmm. to think like, so, so I wanted to, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think through that. Why is the Sun Belt considered significantly better than the Big West? Well, I mean, I think it starts with with facilities and, and fan support. That's very fair. Yeah, the Big West is that's self inflicted damage, right? They have not done a good job in that area. Yeah, I mean, look yeah. at I mean, if you look at the Sun Belt right now, 
So if you look down down this list of teams, you've got Old Dominion, who's in eighth place, a team that's played for a regional championship over the last couple of years. You've got South Alabama, who's got a really solid tradition. They've got a great facility. They've got a decent fan base. Georgia Southern uh, is eighth Hosting. in that league or tied with uh, eighth in that league. Uh, they hosted a regional last year. And, and like in was, UC, UCR, West Louisiana. UCR is tricky because they drop sports, Northeast right? Louisiana. Like they drop sports for five minutes and that hurts. But yeah. UCR, like Joe Kelly was just pitching in the big leagues five minutes ago. Mark, Mark Rapchinski. Yeah. Zepchinski. So I don't know. For me, I just started matching up the teams. And it's like, yeah. you know, the Fullerton and Coastal have a lot of similarities. And, you know, I, I, I think – I think what you guys said about facilities and fan bases makes a big difference in how we perceive the programs. But when you start th- think yeah. about this in 2017, we had two big West teams in a super regional. Like yeah. I, there's never been two Sunbelt teams square. Well, that's, there's, there... that, that's true. But now a couple things. I mean, one, the Sunbelt as currently constituted is still brand new, right? I mean, it's, right. it's, it's, I, I'm giving them credit for their, their history of those teams though. Yeah, I, I do think that we, we don't know yet, though, I mean, how how this new alignment will will affect their league. I mean, I, 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 I think your point is, is valid. Um, the, the, the demise of the Big West probably greatly exaggerated, or at least mm-hmm. somewhat exaggerated. I mean, I think we are all you, you probably raise the alarm more than anyone. I mean, as, as you mentioned, um, I think you even wrote, you know, in your runes report. I don't know it was this year or last year. But last year, you know, wrote a piece on it. Yep your concerns about the future of the league and, and it made me depressed because I think we all have a soft spot in our hearts for the big West because it's yeah. so interwoven with the fabric of the history of college baseball. Um, I, I, this feels like a, like, like an encouraging year for them. As you mentioned, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like they've, they've been, we've had a lot of teams that have been more competitive, but then you look up at the end of the day and it's like, oh, well, I mean, Fullerton, you know, kind of slipping back a little bit, just got swept by UCSD. You're talking about you coming in here, you know, raving about Santa Barbara. They just lost a series to, to Long Beach, and yep. it's like they're 45 in the RPI too. Like they're not even a slam dunk at large team right now. Yeah. I mean, it's like you know we had Irvine that was kind of flirting with it for a while. They're just kind of hanging around. They're still sixth place in the league. I mean, yeah. it's just like the teams that have had chances, they haven't capitalized on. Irvine's Ir- like a weird one. Irvine's a weird one for me because I mean they're six in the Big West, but they're undefeated against the Pac-12. So yeah. eight and like, yeah. like it's very bizarre. Like they have like this really solid non-conference resume, and then you look at their in-conference, you're like, ooh, not not good. You know, not great at least. Yeah, and that's what's you know, like. I think your guys' points are well taken. Like you know, when I start to think about defending the Big West, it's like, hey, you know, like Irvine lost a home series to Kansas State. Well, it turns out Kansas State's good, right? Like we yeah, we yeah, like yeah. Kansas State, and you know, Fullerton's got a series win over Texas, and um, you know, uh, Santa Barbara goes up to Oregon and sweeps them before Oregon fell apart with Jay Stoffel, and you know, it, it it's. Long Beach has a series win over, you know, Mississippi State the year after the title. Well, now it turns out that was not, you know, an epic, although that was before Landon Sims got hurt. You know, that the if, if memory serves, Long Beach State won that series with Landon Sims on the mound. But I think I, I think here's the point. The Big West, it's a rebound year. But whereas the Sun Belt is all in on baseball and it's a big deal, the Big West, the coaches and players are all in but the school and the league are not helping like this, not having a conference tournament until 2025. Like I think about Irvine and then we'll, we'll move on there. I think Irvine's going to get to 18 or 19 conference wins and it's not going to matter because the committee will have already decided, right? Like the, when the committee's looking at Irvine, they're going to be 15 and 11 in the league and big West mm-hmm. that's on you, right? Like it's, it's cause just cause Irvine's schedules backloaded and their wins are back there. So anyway, it's 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 an interesting it was an interesting uh, mindset to question in myself. But I think what you I, where you guys bring up is, you know, fan interest and in, in investment matters. It really and, matters. Yeah. And, and I, I will say this. I think the Sun Belt's a better league, but I, I am encouraged by what I've seen from the Big West this year. Like UCSD, you know, the, the Tritons, of the year that they've had being you know second place in that league. We, you know, we talked about UC Urban. I think we all have a lot of respect for what Andrew's done at uh, UC Santa Barbara. And then Fullerton, like, yeah, they got swept by UCSD over the weekend. But, like, Jason Dietrich is, is clearly taking steps forward with this program, and that's a good thing for the sport. Yeah, yep. I, I agree with all that. And ultimately, I would say this. It's not just about RPI. It's just, like, if you simplify it, it's about how the league 
outperforms, you know, against teams that aren't in the league. It's just plain old non-conference winning percentage, right? We, mm-hmm. we keep keep those 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 dirty letters RPI out of it because those I think mm-hmm. uh, I, I think that taints the jury. But like, it's how do you do against the other teams you play that aren't in your league? And Midwest had a pretty good year, you know. I mean, they, they're they're ninth in that. In that metric, I believe, a 540 winning percentage. They're 133 and 113, and that's pretty mm-hmm. good. But it's but it's ninth. You know, Sun Belt is fifth. Uh, they're, they're 195 and 141, um, 580. You know, it's not dramatically better. I mean, it's good to see the Big West with a winning record outside yeah. conference. But Which I mean, like it hasn't had in a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, but it's like comparable to like Conference USA and the CAA and the American. It's like uh, better. It's better than the American. There's a drop off between big West and the American, but like, that's where they are. They're in, they're in that tier with the CAA and CUSA. And it's just, it's just a little behind. Yep. Yeah. To give you an idea of where they were last year, guys, 44% winning percentage oh, last year. For the big West yeah. In yeah. non-conference. So, so it's, uh, as we said, it's a, it's a much better year. They're having a much better year. No doubt. Yep. No question. Hey boys, let me ask you this uh, next question. Actually, before we do this, let's get our second uh, sponsor read done here and that is blast baseball if you're ready to dominate at the plate blast baseball is trusted by more mlb and college teams than any other hitting solution the blast sensor attaches to the knob of any bat providing real-time feedback with every swing go to blastmotion.com enter the code d1 baseball at checkout d1 baseball at checkout save ten dollars i know i said this before on the podcast but we, we i haven't gotten the dope on it but uh blast baseball sent chris from louisville uh, a, a sensor to use with for him and his kids because Berkey still takes batting practice. So I, I really want to um, I want to hear about the data there. The let's let's yeah, see. Yeah, they who's sent got me one for swing. my daughter. So I got I got a no way softball sensor. Yeah, so. Riley Clutch Clutch Rogers. Yeah, we'll we'll try it out. See how do, it goes. Do you think Berkey just rolls up to like the local men's league in Louisville and just like dominates everybody? he doesn't do that in in uh in softball or baseball but you know what he does is he plays we give him a hard time about this he plays lunchtime hoops and i always we we tease him that he goes to the local grade school and takes on the pe teachers and just smokes them for 58 (laughs) these poor guys are you know applying ben gay before the i could totally i could totally see like you know because berkey's kind of an unassuming looking guy like i could totally see him rolling up to a men's league and like if you didn't know him you'd be like oh look at this guy and all of a sudden, he cranks one about four thirty. Oh my gosh! Yeah, he's in ridiculous shape, no question about it. So, do you know? I, I brought this up with Berkey. So, there, the, the Luke Schlager kid from Maryland's got a chance to mm-hmm. score hundred runs. Dylan Cruz is, and and Berkey's incredible year. And I got to coach against him this year, two thousand one, when he was SEC Player of the Year. Do you know he scored hundred and five runs, <laughs> twenty home runs, fifty stolen bases, and hundred and five runs scored? That is I mean... a joke. That is a joke. That is it's absurd. A joke. Oh my gosh! I yeah. I I, I sometimes I start. I hear myself saying, "Best player I ever coach against," and I'm like, "Was he really the best player you ever coach against?" And then you see those numbers. You're like, "Yeah, hell yeah, he was the best player." It was insane. Rude, did you did you were you at ASU when y'all went went against KP? No, I miss KP. My first oh, okay. season was '99. KP's last season was '97. But now. I, I've always sensed that KP and Arizona State weren't exactly friendly. You know, <laughs> K, yeah, ASU. Was I know KP and, and Fullerton were not very friendly. Yeah, yeah. It, it was very chirpy on the West Coast and everybody pretending to pick pitches and all that stuff. So it was it was a beautiful time. Coach, but 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 again, you got to coach against Mark Marquis and, and Mike Gillespie. I mean, come on, there's no no watching boys. I don't I, I promise I'll end the tangent right here. If there's video. If anyone's listening and you've got video of the great Mike Gillespie undressing an umpire and umpires, I love you. Like this is, but, 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 but that was, I mean, like a work of art. That was like watching Michelangelo paint, right? Watching so Mike Gillespie undress an umpire was just great. One of, one of the great stories I heard about, about Skip, I think when he passed was, uh, you know, the, one of the, the, the umpiring, like the head, coordinator umpire coordinator forever for the league like the advice he would always give the um the young umpires is like listen don't try to argue with him just let him yell at you he's smarter than you you're not gonna he's win smarter than you. Just, just 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 wear it you know oh it was but, and he he would saunter out there too like you everybody in the park knew he was gonna just literally verbally undress this dude and he would walk slow like wayne graham slow out to the umpire <laughs> like if you're the umpire it's just like just can you just get here and just Give it to me and get over with. Oh, so I, I love Skip Gillespie's like don't give a damn meter. 
I mean, the fact that they were up like, what was it, nine runs? And he was so still like angry at USC for firing him that he stole home against his son-in-law. Like, oh, could you imagine like the level of anger that you have to have is still home against your son-in-law? So good, so good. <laughs> All right, uh, boys. Here's the here's the final topic of the evening. So we're stolen bids is a thing. Like we do, you guys say this every week on the Nerdcast, but we do the projections. Yeah. And the truth is, if you're if you're last four in, you're not in. Like you're just not in. That's not good. That's not a good position. And so I was thinking about that, trying to prepare myself, and I'm thinking, okay what are the high alarm problem children for stolen bids? And here's what I've got. I've got the American with ECU, if they don't win it. I've got the Big East with UConn. I've got the Big South with Campbell. And I'm giving you the team that has to win the conference tournament to protect the bubble. I'm giving you the Colonial. I I picked Northeastern, the Colonial with Northeastern. I picked Conference USA with DBU. And I picked the Valley with Indiana State. So if you're on the bubble, you are officially in East Carolina, UConn, Campbell, Northeastern, DBU, Indiana State um, fan. So, so here's my question. And you guys can add a conference to that if you wanted to. But I'm going to set the over-under at 3.5 stolen bids right there. What say you? So you kind of have to analyze each team in that conference. What say you? 3.5 is the over-under. You think we're going to have over 3.5 stolen bids from that group or others uh, or under 3.5? I'll say Joe, under. Under, Kendall? Yeah, I'll say under. I think East, I think East Carolina is the best team in that league. Um, I think even though you, you know, give Todd Whitting and his team a lot of credit, I think in a tournament format like that, I think East Carolina won that being the, best te- the better team. So I think East Carolina wins that tournament. Uh, Houston's RPI is 92 uh, they're not going to make the field. So, I mean, that, that eliminates one of those, what, four or five right there. Yeah, that gets you so, down to five possibilities. How about yeah, – I mean, so maybe this is another way to attack it, and you can give me your over-under at any point. Fitzy and Joe, like I have – the other two that gave me comfort were UConn and Campbell, I feel like, are yep. likely oh, to win are, those. Well, yeah. So, I mean, and all those teams, if you know, if UConn and Campbell, I mean, sure, they're they're the favorites – but like, if certainly if those teams don't win their conference tournaments, then that's still a bit alert. But I mean, like, I I think the average is about is about that three or four. I have to ask mm-hmm. the NMG, but I think that's about what he says. Um, yeah. I'll, I mean, I, I just feel like usually it's just so hard to predict what's going to happen at a conference yeah. tournament. Like we 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 as a staff, like we do our staff picks. We all have to like try to pick the the winner. It's just like throwing darts, man. It's just a total yeah. crapshoot. Who who knows? So I'll take the over. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, Joseph, I mean, what say you? I was probably going to go over. I think, and this is not backed up by data. This is just Joe's perception of it. I feel like we have an extraordinarily high number. Well, I shouldn't say extraordinarily. We have, we have a higher than average number of mid-major leagues that have one team that is clearly going to be an at-large team regardless, and then no one else in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Where I would compare it to the alternative to that is in a Missouri Valley conference that had DBU in previous years, you had a lot of years where DBU is clearly in and like Indiana state might be depending on which way it goes. And so you kind of have two options there, right? And in Indiana state might be a stolen bid. They might not, but some of the leagues we routed off there, Northeastern is kind of that way. I know the CAAs can maybe flirt with two bids, but they're clearly in Indiana state is clearly that there's no other contenders in the Valley. Mm-hmm. Kendall talked about the American. There's no other contenders there. So with that being the case, I would probably go over because on those you really get, you have one team you're watching out for and everybody, the field is just so big compared to that. The other thing is that a pretty good number of these teams are in that sweet spot where East Carolina falls into this. I think I'd be very surprised if they're able to do enough to host, but they're also not going to fall off the bubble. So if you're East Carolina and you know, you're probably looking at being a two um, very likely headed to, Wake Forest, have fun, fellas. Um, you know, or possibly heading there. Or Duke. Yeah, Duke. Yeah, that'd be that'd be a pretty good draw. A lot of comfort there. Anyway, regardless, you know, you just wonder if there's some point in the conference tournament where they pull the ripcord a little bit, you know, and how much do they really have to play for? I think Campbell's probably in that. Not a lot they can do because they're not going to get RPI help in the Big South. Not a lot they can do to host there. You know, if if there were more teams in Indiana State's place where you could squint hard enough and maybe see a scenario where Indiana State, if they win the regular season and the tournament and the RPI ends up at 
13 or 14 where they could play for that. They're just, to me, there aren't enough teams that are going to doggedly go after this auto bid among that group. Now, some of them will still win it, but I do think there are enough teams that just aren't going to necessarily completely burn themselves out to lift a trophy at the end of the week. Yeah. Cause you can really, you could jack up your pitching, right? Doing that. And it's, yep. I, I have no confidence that DBU or Indiana state are going to win those tournaments like i don't think indiana state's really built for that and the conference usa tournament just seems enormous i don't even know is there eight teams joe do you know off the top of your head it's eight. Mm-hmm. yeah i it's mean eight. just like are you gonna really you know i mean to, you gotta win a minimum of four games to do that like that's that's you know dbu knows they're in well the other thing about the missouri valley too is like missouri state is playing pretty well right now and Southern Illinois is one of those teams that, like, you know, they haven't been yeah. great this year, but I mean, they could very easily win that conference tournament. There's also a weird deal where, you know, the Valley still plays their the conference tournament on campus sites. And there's this weird, and I don't know how far back it goes, but there's this weird deal where the host team, like, never wins that thing. And Indiana State's hosting it this year. Hmm. So that might be something. It might be nothing. I don't know. But the coaches in that league will tell you that there is like a thing about they're not so sure that they want to host because there is a kind of a, a hang up that teams have. And I would say too, that, you know, in the CAA where Northeastern, you're right, would be the slam dunk um, at large qualifier. If they don't get the auto bid, you've got UNCW, Elon Charleston and William and Mary and, you know, even Delaware's, you know, having a decent enough year. Like you've got some threats there. You know, and yeah. probably none of those teams are going to get at larges. Like UNCW is probably the closest, sixty-two in the RPI. Probably not going to happen. You know, twenty-eight and twenty overall. I, I don't, I don't see it. Um, so, but there's a decent chance that one of those five teams or so. Could, you know, if you're taking Northeastern versus the field, there. I, I mean, as much as I like Northeastern, basically what you're doing, yeah. I'm, I'm going to probably have to take the field. Right. Yeah, and speaking and speaking of hosting, College of Charleston, who just won a series from UNCW over the weekend, yeah. hosting that tournament. Oh, there you go. Hey, what do you guys remember, uh, Fitzy and Kendall? What what did you go on the field last year? Did you go sixty three for sixty four? What was where would you guys come down? I think we missed two. Yes, it's so you, what, you you did you miss Grand Canyon? You didn't have Grand Canyon in, right? No, we had GCU, and it was two others that we missed. Old, old I mean, Miss, Old Miss was had yeah, to be one of them. Yeah, we had. I know we had the Wolfpack in. I think I assume everyone missed. Yeah, so there's a yeah. There was one more we missed. Um, we had GCU, in, I believe. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's a, I always feel like there's one. They were like, oh, man, and then there's another every single year that, like, the committee just does it on purpose. It feels like they, they just look at all the projections <laughs> and be like, all right, screw these guys. We don't want them to go over 64 over 64. I swear, if you play if you play the selection show back last year in reverse, Mike Buddy says, screw it, nerd cast, if you, if yeah. you play it backwards. That's right. Joe, what did you guys do last year? Did you all get all 64? No, because I, I know at a bare – excuse me at a bare minimum we had we didn't have Ole Miss so yeah I, I, I don't remember exactly what we because I you know I was you know only aware of it I was not involved is like NC State's gonna be the team that we all think has no shot of getting in they're gonna get in yeah that, that's the thing like we, we yeah. you feel like you've got so much certainty because the end of the season is so close but every there's so much volatility still in the market I the, one of the reasons I, I'm thinking about this is each week I'm trying to do a field of 72 after you guys do your field of 64 just to i'm doing that i'm trying to do 32 hosts because i just want to see what i think of it and when i'm doing the field of 72 right now i'm kind of disappointed because i feel like i'm getting some teams in that maybe don't deserve it but remember the bubble Mm -hmm. hasn't burst yet so it's that's what that's why my 72 is kind of soft because i mean i'm thrilled for those teams right don't get me wrong because there will be some teams that have even in my 72 that are having great years that you'd love to see in but it really gets ugly when the bubble starts getting rough i just one more thing and i think this i think this is important Uh, runes you talked about if you play the selection show backwards they would say screw you nerdcast what happens if we sync it up with dark side of the moon we put that puppy on (laughs) we just put that record on and play it hit mute on the selection show and just see, see what happens you know Oh, get yourself a diet Mountain Dew, and let's let's just <laughs> let's let it rip. But now between that and between that and your note about uh, Missouri Valley tournament hosts, uh, you're having a good night, Joe. Yes. Well, oh, thank God. you. Hey, uh, so so uh, let me let me say this to you, three wonderful people, and the audience. Thank you. 
Get yourself a subscription to D1Baseball.com. It's the perfect time to do it. If you use the code SAVE23 at checkout, you get 20% off. Tons. Oh, is there a different promotion right now, Kendall? Or that's the one? Um, you can do SAVE20, 20, 20% off. There you go. You can do SAVE30 and get 30% off an annual. That's what I would do if I were you. Okay. Save 30. Save 30 at checkout. Get 30% off. It's got to be an annual sub. And that's for d1baseball.com that's for sec extra you know you want to have your sub in time for the when we we do the piece on the annual kurt reed winner whoever (laughs) wins the d1 baseball kurt reed player of the year um this time of year you're going to want to have just like fitzy multiple windows multiple tabs you can have player tab up there you can look at teams records you can look at rpi um you know you, you can you can see sec extra right there You've got it all. This is the time. If, if you've been thinking Martha's about it. Martha's getting ready, too. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's the. <laughs> well, I know Aaron it'll, loves that time. There'll be a hot board on who caddy, who's going to be Fitzy's caddy this summer. That's still. I heard that Aaron was in the mix for Mississippi State pitching coach. Uh, I, I cannot uh, uh, confirm nor deny that, Raj. <laughs> um, Most importantly, we, we do it. Let's, let's wrap with some homework. Stone okay. Rogers or jar rogers mason so stone mason rogers or mason jar rogers but you know when you get a nickname you're basically turning in your first name you're forfeiting your first name and both mason rogers and jar no stone rogers and jar rogers are awesome i like both choices very much you could also like stylistically you could just you have a couple options here uh you could just go and this is not this is a simple nickname, but you could go with just Mace, M-A-S-E, and then do the dollar sign for the S, like Ooh. the rapper. Yeah. Or hey, like my favorite, my favorite nineteen nineties New York Nick, Anthony Mason. Yeah. He was he was just Mace. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's awesome. Hey, by by the way, Runes. Yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna promote something else too. Please. If you're going to the SEC tournament, for all of you that are going to the SEC tournament, Mark and Joe on Monday night. SEC Tournament Eve will be at Brock's Gap Brewing Company at 7 o'clock. They're going to take all your questions, probably rank their, the teams they hate most, 1 through 20, so you won't want to miss that. Um, what else do we have, Joe? What else are we going to have that thing? So, yeah, so the tickets are uh, – so 15 bucks, but 15 bucks gets you, as Kendall alluded to, the opportunity to ask a question ahead of time for Mark and I to answer on stage, and we'll answer – anything it doesn't have to be baseball related it could be belinda carlisle related or dark side (laughs) of the moon related or really any pink floyd um question but it could be anything um although we would reserve the right to not answer it if we we don't want to incriminate ourselves or something like that so um so there's that so that you get that you also get a draft beer from brock's gap brewing company so that's that's pretty good um and a five dollar donation five dollars of that fifteen dollar ticket goes to arts and autism which is a local organization uh working with children with autism that is near and dear to mark's heart so we think it's a good value for 15 bucks i've said it on our podcast highway to hoover week after week that like frankly if if your team looks like it's gonna be playing on that tuesday of the sec tournament and you're gonna be in town like just just come out like i'm tired of asking you honestly yeah. at this just point do it. like i don't so understand you go, why you yes. haven't done it yeah exactly so you go to d1baseball.com slash subscribe you can go down to a highway to hoover live show click on it and buy your ticket i may just buy a ticket because i want to hang out with you that much wow i want, I want the dra- i want the draft beer can i get that delivered in arlington what what uh it sounds like a great place to have a draft beer it is very nice it, it is a it's a nice it place we're cool. super thankful that we've had this partnership with them all year i'm looking forward to it i mean and, and the thing is like the live show is don't get me wrong i think mark and i are, we're gonna we're gonna try our best to put on a, a fun show and 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 talk about some some fun topics and get everybody ready for the sec tournament but also it's just kind of we're looking forward to meeting some of the subscribers and you know we're yeah. we're not going to ha- be escorted off by security after we finish talking for the show like you, you then then <laughs> we'll just go out and kind of mingle with the people and you can you know, have a beer with us and, and what have you. So that, that's you, actually, I think, the part I'm more excited about. You guys, the weekend before the selection show, too, is perfect. Because right before we got on this pod, I texted Mark. Because I'm just really curious about A&M's polarizing resume. And I said, Mark, isn't that RPI for A&M, like, outrageously high for uh, for an SEC team? And Mark said, no pun intended, basically, hold my beer, right? Like, And the, the text thread that ensued was just amazing so that's the type of stuff you can if you if you want to know about your team's chances mark and joe got you covered there for sure so 
Boys. Mark does anyway. I, you know, I, I'm really there for. You're gonna be pouring the you're, beer. You're you're the eye you candy, know. Joe. Let's face Joe, it. Joe, Joe, and Mark have the event. Aaron has an autograph signing table. The ACC tournament every year. Yep. <laughs> uh, will you guys think less of me if I told you that in my college apartment we had like a we had a a big garbage can for kegs? Like, is that is that is that? I know what most people do. I I, well, I most I would, people put a keg in a garbage can and fill it up with ice. But I just didn't know how many, like we were kind of at, at least at Notre Dame, we were, there was not a ton of people that actually had said garbage can in their apartments. Like people would do it for occasions. We might've gotten a little bit. We might've realized little... people in Notre Dame drink. Oh my gosh. Irish Catholic. Come on. It's mostly what we did. Oh, gentlemen. One week left, boys. Well done. Well, good potting right there. Win every podcast. Um, that's it. Everybody have a great final weekend. We'll, we'll get you updated for the, the preview will be Wednesday evening as well. Get ready for the last weekend of the uh, regular season. And uh, that's it. We'll catch you next time on the D1 Baseball Podcast. The D1 Baseball Podcast is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.